Happy Boxing Day, friends. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 461, Joe and Big Al are spitballing on, of course, early retirement and Roth conversions. How can Jack and Diane, no, the other, other Jack and Diane, these are the ones in Rochester, Minnesota, how can they bridge the gap to retirement at age 61? Can Michael in San Diego do a Roth conversion without it impacting his taxes? Plus, what should the Flintstones do with their whole life insurance policies? And what spitballs of wisdom do the fellows have for Michael, who is benefitless in Kansas City? Then we'll wrap up the final episode of the year with a little story time, the YMYW origin story. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Got another little Jack and Diane, little ditty. Okay, let's do it. Rochester, Minnesota. We've been listening to the podcast for two years and love it. We're seeking a spitball to see if Jack can retire at 61, but I'm unsure of the gap years and downsizing before Social Security and Jack's pension kicks in. Yeah, so bridging the gap, it's called. There, yes, right? yeah, right. Jack is currently 59. I'm 58. I retired at age 56. Jack has reduced his hours but would like to retire as well. We are able to cover annual expenses of $120,000 a year on his salary but no longer contribute to any retirement accounts. We have made Roth conversions since my retirement. That was very well written. Very succinct. It was. I like it. I was able to follow that. I can see where they want to go with this. <laughs> yes. We know. He they... stopped working. He's making enough money to cover the expenses. They stopped saving. They were doing a little conversions because their income was lower. They're strategizing. The past couple of years have really paid off for we Jack know, and Diane. We know how old they are. We know when they want to retire. We know what they're spending. Perfect. Love it. I drive a 2018 Toyota Highlander. All right. That's kind of a. It's a big car. Yeah, well, it's Rochester. Yeah, you got to have a big car <laughs> out there, be, don't you? You got to be beefy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's snow. <laughs> well, Jack drives a 2022 Ford F-150. Bada boom, bada bing. That's the most popular car on this podcast. That <laughs> seems to be. When I'm not driving, I prefer a margarita. Jack prefers a seasonal beer on the golf course or an old-fashioned in the recliner. Can you relate? Oh, yes. <laughs> so many of your people, Joe. Is is it a this thing is... in, in Minnesota that they drink old fashions and beer? Oh, God. We may downsize in the next five years, which would cost us 200000 to $300,000 after selling our house. Got a brokerage account of four hundred thousand, IRA of four hundred thousand, inherited four hundred one k one fifty, Roth IRAs of one fifty, four fifty seven and five hundred, HSA of thirty. So did you catch all that? Yeah, and cash of fifty. Next page. So about one point six million. One point six. Okay, perfect. Okay, Diane's Social Security is going to be twenty. Jack's is forty five. Jack's pension's forty five. All right. So. Pension at 66 is 45, is Social Security at 70 is 45. And then Diane, she's thinking about taking hers at 62. She is to bridge the gap. That's what she's thinking. All right. So, can, so yeah, can retire. Yeah. So I'll give you some distributions or distribution rate, right? Like right now, for example, without any growth, just using current numbers, that would be about a seven and a half percent distribution rate before she hits her Social Security, right? But then if I go like five years after retirement, because then Jack's pension kicks in, plus Diane's Social Security, it's about a 4.1% distribution rate. And after Jack's Social Security of another 45000 it's no problem. So this definitely works. It's just a matter of 
not going broke during the stub period. And I, I think she's right on. She that This is what her concern is. I would highly recommend that you just create a spreadsheet. It's, it's going to be the easiest way to look at this, is to look at each year from now 62 to 70. So a 10-year spreadsheet, spreadsheet of here's your expenses of $120,000 and inflate that by 3.5% inflation. So each year that number is going to increase. So you're going to have a shortfall for a, a step period, which she knows. It's like, all right, well, here, Jack wants to retire today because I've already been retired for the last couple of years, and he's jealous. Yeah. yeah. He's he's like, honey, I got to go to the office, and well, you're having margaritas. I want uh, I, I want the old-fashioned. Plus, I'm a year and a half older. It's, yeah. It's my turn. What the hell? <laughs> so map this thing out and look at the step periods of when your income is going to be and then what that distribution rate is or what that the shortfall is. You can divide, take the shortfall, and then multiply it by 25. That's going to tell you what your nest egg should look like in those given years. That's the, probably the easiest way to do this, to start creating your own you know, financial strategy or financial plan. And guaranteed she can do this very easily because I could tell how she re- wrote the email. Yeah, I, no, I agree with that. So here, I'm just going to... And she's from Minnesota. Well, there you go. I'm just going to spitball myself. And that is, I think it's, I think it's doable probably, but it's a little tight. I, I think if it were me, I would want to have some part-time income for a few years before some of this other income kicked in. That That's what I'd want to do. It's either going to work or it's going to be it's, Chernobyl. Well, it's going to blow up. If the market blows up and they don't have the correct investment strategy yeah. and they lose 25% of the overall portfolio and they keep taking money out. And that's the hard part, right? Because if the market doesn't cooperate, then all these assumptions. It's a and, sequence of return and, risk and, is their biggest risk. And your Excel sheet doesn't work. So yeah. so I'd, I'd like a little more cushion by having part-time income. That's what I would do. Got Michael from right here in our backyard, San Diego. Hey there, you three. I love the show and I'm always happy to see a new episode pop up on my list of shows that I sub- subscribe to. <clears throat> well, that just puts a smile on my face. Right. Thank I'll you get... for subscribing, Michael. That is important. It is very important to subscribe, I guess, right? Yep. That helps us in the rankings, which helps other people see the podcast, which helps us get more listeners, which helps us be more popular, which helps more people hear the spitballing. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Look at her. She's plugging I need to away. Shirt that out. That's very clever. <laughs> All right, I'll get right to the points. I prefer IPAs when drinking. The higher the IBUs, the better. I'll get right to the point. For pets, I have a good dog, but I don't really like them all that much. <laughs> all right. <laughs> hey, that's the second, sounds, second all right, point. Sounds good. My question is about Roth conversions as they relate to a 401k contribution and the standard deduction. For easy math, I'll use some made-up round numbers. For the scenario, my taxable income is 200000 I take the standard deduction of twenty thousand. My four hundred one k contribution is thirty. Given these numbers, can I do a Roth conversion of fifty thousand dollars without it impacting my taxes for the year and make it seem as I made two hundred thousand and didn't take any deductions at all and didn't contribute to my four hundred one k? The other scenario is if I take twenty thousand dollars standard deduction and contribute thirty thousand to the four hundred one k, would my taxable income be one fifty? If I don't do a fifty thousand dollar Roth conversion, your opinion, um, opining, your opining on this will help me to understand how the standard deduction and the four hundred one k contributions affect my taxes in either way, the same way as each other, or in different ways. 
So let me restate. So two hundred thousand a year he makes. We'll call it a twenty thousand dollars standard deduction, thirty thousand dollars four hundred one k taxable income is one hundred fifty thousand. Then he does a fifty thousand dollars Roth conversion, gets back right in the same spot as if he made two hundred thousand. Yes, that's the right way to think about it. But so one hundred fifty thousand dollars of taxable income, and then you look at all right from that, then the first seventy thousand is going to be taxed at twelve percent. And then the remaining is going to be taxed at 22%. So your taxable income is the most important line on the tax return because then each additional dollar on top of that is what taxes you're going to pay, let's say, if you did a conversion or if you wanted to create another deduction. So that's going to tell you the tax bracket. So if I'm in the 15% or I'm sorry, the 12% bracket or the 22 or the 24, so on and so forth, this is going to tell me what strategy is appropriate. Maybe I do a Roth conversion. I do the Roth conversion to the top of that bracket. So if my taxable income, let's say, is $70,000, or I mean, I'm sorry, $150,000, well, I'm going to have a lot of room in that 22% tax bracket to do a conversion and just knowing what the tax is on that conversion. Yeah. So, Michael, you're thinking about it the correct way. Here's one caveat, though, and that is the standard deduction is already built into withholding. So if you're thinking... You typically are break even on your taxes and you do what you're thinking. You're going to still owe because you're basically having money withheld as if you're making 180, not 200. So just factor that in. So how about you? Is paying the tax in the near term and doing a Roth conversion a good way for you to knock down your taxes in the long term? Go to the podcast show notes now and download the complete Roth Papers package to understand how Roth accounts work so you can take full advantage of their tax saving benefits. This bundle of Roth guides is packed with valuable information about Roth contributions and conversions, the backdoor Roth strategy for when you make too much money to contribute directly to a Roth, and the rules for taking money out of your Roth IRA. Plus, you'll learn the differences and the pros and cons of saving in a traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA versus a Roth 401k, and much more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app, go to the show notes, and download the complete Roth Papers package. Hi, YMYW team. Call us Wilma and Fred Flintstone. Okay. Remember the Flintstones there, Big Al? Of course. Current ages, 52 in our mid-20s. Okay, current ages, 52 in our mid-20s. I think that was supposed to be, there's supposed to be a period after 52. Current age is 52. In our mid-20s. Yes. Oh, got it. I thought maybe Fred's 52 and Wilma's (laughs) in her mid-20s. That, that would but be, that be, be, Fred, be, yeah, be Pebbles. Be Pebbles. <laughs> we bought two whole life insurance policies, premiums $90 a month each. We know there were not wise, we know they were not wise investments, but we can't turn back the clock. So, what should we do with them now? Wilma's policy makes it easy to withdraw the cash value without jeopardizing the death benefit. So we have done that in recent years for home maintenance projects. Doing so reduces the death benefit for additional paid-up insurance, but not the base insurance value. Current surrender value is $33,000, death benefit $285,000. If we want to access Fred's cash value, we'd have to take a loan from the policy. Available loan amount, $30,000. Surrender value, $32,000. Death benefit, $300,000. One thought is to keep the policies forever, consider them our legacy to our daughter, Pebbles, who's 25. Or we should surrender them and invest the proceeds plus the $180,000 a month we save in premiums. $180. (laughs) There you go again, adding thousands to things. (laughs) $180. 
a month we'd save in premiums. We both have life insurance through our employers, which would cover the mortgage balance should one of us die before we get that done, seven years remaining. We have no other debt. What do you think? P.S. Fred drinks crap beer, while Wilma favors little margaritas. On the rocks, no salt. No salt. Okay. That's healthier. Yeah, I like salt. I'm a margarita. Well, sure, but it's not healthy. You get to, you ever, it, come on now. <laughs> I'm still vegan. No, salt's a vegan. It's just not good for your blood pressure. <laughs> blood pressure is solid. <laughs> well, that mateen, what's that the red stuff? Oh, yeah. I had some of that at our holiday party. Yeah, it's hot. It was hot. I didn't care for it. I actually kind of liked it. All right. All right. What should they do with this insurance? You got your calculator? I forgot mine. Sure. So what here's. What do you want me to do? Well, let's say they, they have to figure out what the money's for. Let's say they want to leave it as a legacy for, for Pebbles. Sure. They're 50 years old. They're going to have these policies for 40 years. Right. I don't. I, I would have to run an enforced ledger, but let's just assume you got thirty-two thousand dollars. We're doing together, so we got sixty-five. Well, no, because well, then you can add up the death benefit too, I guess. Well, actually, no. There's the surrender value is thirty-three and thirty, so we got if so either we're going to keep it or we're going to surrender. Right? So let's just use Fred's for instance, okay? Because they're already accessing Wilma's. I guess they don't really have an issue there. So thirty-two thousand okay. dollars. And then put $180 a month for the next, I don't know, 30 years. They're going to keep them forever. I don't know. I would imagine at some point there'd be a paid up, but I don't know when. So let's just assume that they continue to pay the premiums until they die. Okay. Sure. And so we'll do, let's do what? How 52? Let's do 30 years. Okay. And let's do what rate of return? you 7%. 7%. Whoops. 7%. I got it. Convert that to monthly. In 30 years, I got to convert that to monthly. So future value could be, call it 500000 So they take the money out. They invest it. They take $180,000. And let's assume they get a 7% growth rate. Right. Then it's $500,000 that they would have. Or they continue to keep the policy. Yep. They pay the $180 a month. And then the heirs would get $300,000. Yeah, the death benefit. The death benefit. So the internal rate of return of the death benefit, I'm guessing, is probably closer to 5%. Probably so. Yeah. Right? So if you think 7% is too rich and you like 5 or something, you know, then, hey, you're going to get a guaranteed 5% rate of return tax-free to your heirs if you keep the policy and put the money in. Yeah, 5% comes out about 300000 So okay. you're about right on. So your internal rate of return on the life insurance policy is roughly 5%. So if you like that and if you want it as a legacy play, well, I like tax-free guarantee at 5% a lot better than maybe, I don't know if you can get seven, maybe you get three, maybe something else, or maybe you get 14. Who cares? Who knows? So that's what you have to gauge. Do you want control? Do you want liquidity? Plus you have to pay taxes on those dollars. If it's in the insurance policy, right, it grows tax deferred and then to the kids tax free, but that money's gone. It's out of your state. Would you guess that the $32,000 cash value, would that come out tax free? Cause it would probably be return of capital or hard to say. I don't know what the basis is, but yeah. I want to, well, they would have to pay tax on whatever the growth is. So if they put 30,000 in and the surrender value is 32 and they surrender the policy, they're going to pay tax on the two plus penalty, right? Well, I don't know what the, I, 
there could be a penalty. There, there may yeah. not be. They it's, bought it a long time ago, so I, I doubt it. The surrender value is a surrender value, thirty-two thousand. So there could be a cash value that's different than the surrender value. But the numbers that they're giving us is, I mean, if it were me, I would blow out of these things all day long. I would too. And here's how I would think about it: is how much life insurance do I need? And then I'd get out of these if I could without a lot of penalties and so and tax, and then figure out what I need and buy term insurance for whatever period of time I, I wanted. That's what I would do. Sure. They don't have any debt except for the mortgage that they said that it's going to be paid off in a couple of years. Yeah. You hold on to these policies for a couple of years until the mortgage is paid off, then do it. You could. Yeah. Or I would imagine that a term policy is going to be a lot cheaper than $180 a month. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. So. For a similar amount. It, it, yeah. Probably maybe the $180 would buy you a lot more coverage. Sure. I don't know. All right. Those are some thoughts. Hey, your money, your wealth team. My name is Michael from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm 49. I'm married. But in a long-term relationship, she's 45. We have an old Labrador, three cats, and a 25-year-old daughter. I drive a 2014 Malibu, and she has a Nissan Moreno. We don't drink alcohol often, but on special occasions, enjoy red wine and a good steak. And on a warm summer night, a good vodka on ice with water and a lime is delicious. Very nice. Yeah. I don't drink often either. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Got it. Big Al gave me the confidence to reach out and share my situation when he requested less familiar questions. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Big Al's voice just reached. It just got out to the. The masses. All right. I enjoy my job and I'm paid very well. It's a W-2 job making $90,000 a year. I invest as much as possible in a brokerage account and max out that $6,500 in my Roth. The company I work for is very small and offers no benefits. I have worked for the company since 1999, so my entire adult life. Do you have any financial planning ideas or for others like me that are benefitless? Companies are often are offering less and less and as I understand it, if your company doesn't provide it, you can't have it, such as a 401k or HSA, which leaves us with just an IRA of only $6,500 per year for tax advantage, long-term financial investing. More personally, I don't have health insurance since my employer doesn't offer health insurance. And I've been too cheap to purchase insurance on the marketplace. Okay. Going rogue. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Self-insurance. Yeah. What the hell? Let's go. Live dangerously. <laughs> Buy that motorcycle. Don't wear a helmet. Yeah. Nice work if you can get it. I, I don't recommend that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, no. we'll see, we'll see what your okay. question is. It's a it's part of a financial plan. Sure. <laughs> you buy it or not? I did that for a very short period of time, kicked my butt. Yeah. It sure can. Well, anyway, continue. Okay. When I have a medical expense, I just pay it. Just pay it. All right. right. This method has always been considerably less expensive than shelling out tons of money for a healthcare government plan. Unsurprisingly, at my age, the doctor now wants to do the recommended screenings, which sound unpleasant and cost around $3,000. This amount is making me, me rethink my out-of-pocket healthcare strategy. I put together my thoughts on a couple of opinions or options for my situation. I'd be grateful. If you would share your comments or ideas of my options or anything I've missed or overlooked. All right. So how's Michael from Missouri here? 49. Okay. So we're kind of in the ballpark here. Yep. So now you got to do a couple little tests. Yep. 
get, understand. Get to 50, and now it's time to kind of <laughs> watch this thing. <laughs> All right. Option one, contribute less to my brokerage account and spend $600 a month or more on healthcare.gov plan. Since I'm benefit less from my employer, am I not able to do a high deductible plan to start the HSA? Everything I read about an HSA plan mentions the word employer. Got a comment there? I do. I, I do believe you can get an HSA plan individually. I believe you can as well. Yeah. And I think an HSA plan would be the correct type of plan. In other words, you want a high, since you're self-insuring anyway, you want a high deductible plan. And basically, it's there for you in a in emergency, right? He needs to hire a broker. Yeah. A health insurance broker and say, you know what? Here's the coverage that I'm looking for. I've been going benefitless forever. And now I, I, I need to do some tests. I'm, I'm 49 years old, blah, 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 blah. And this is what I want to spend, but I want to, you know, catastrophic stuff. I, I want to make sure I'm covered there yeah, and this that, and that, whatever. The broker is going to put together a plan to say, well, here's the deductible. Here's this. Here's out of pocket and come up with a strategy, I, I believe, that would be good for Mike. Yeah, I like that. And Or you go to the Missouri Insurance Exchange and see what the choices yeah, are. He's already on there. He hates it. I know, but $600 per month is not the only plan. Got it. Search for a new job with benefits and a good salary. Bingo. There you go. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I do not have a college degree, but I'm smart, and I have a great reputation in my industry. One factor in my favor of this option is that the owner of my company is 85, and he's not shared the succession plan for the company. Oh, a little uh, risky there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. He's 85. Butter up, Michael. Say, hey, bro. Yeah. I, I want to be the succession hey, plan. Let's go. Nobody is above me in the company, so there is no room for further advancement. Additionally, the idea of potentially finding uh, for the greater good job, like building water cleaning systems for Bill Gates or something, for the second half of my work life is appealing. Thank you, guys. Love the podcast. Yeah, he wants to make a difference. I like it. There you go. This is what happens when people get close to 50. They start. Can you relate? No, I got. I'm so far from that. What six months? Yeah, right. Not even. No, but then you start. Is it even that long? Evaluate your life, and you're like, man, I'm halfway home, or maybe past halfway. Yeah, right. Yeah. Here's option one point five. Go to the 85 year old and say, I need health insurance. So if I'm going to stay. Oh, all right. Good luck. Let us know. There you have it. Sounds like a financial New Year's resolution in the making. Get the insurance in place and the succession seed planted or find something even bigger and better. We've got six more resolutions to help you get your finances in order in 2024, and you can download them from the podcast show notes. Plus, get insight into the economy, currencies, stocks, and more from Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer here at Pure Financial Advisors. What does Brian expect in the financial market? in 2024. Watch his end-of-year market update webinar on demand in the podcast show notes and find out. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, download the financial New Year's resolutions, and watch the end-of-year market update webinar. Got a question, comment, suggestion, or request for the new year? Click the Ask Joe and Al banner and send in an email or a voice message. We'll finish 2023 with this fun question from Leon in Chicago. My question is a bit of a throwback for Joe and Al. Can you please tell all seven of your listeners the origin story of your radio show and now the podcast? 
I'm curious as to how the show came to be, what your motivations were when you decided to start broadcasting, and perhaps how that's transformed over the years. I have to say, the show keeps getting better. I've listened to all the available episodes on Apple Podcasts, which date back to 2016, and they become more enjoyable as the years roll by. While this is not what I mean at all, I do know this is the point that Joe will say, yeah, you guys sucked back then, and now you're almost tolerable, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. That's probably a more accurate description of Joe's performance on the golf course, as opposed wow. to the podcast. Ooh, uh, there's also a noticeable play. shift for the better when Andy took over the reins. Since I know you all prefer Roth questions, I'll call back another time with an actual financial question. Thank you for all you do, and I look forward to hearing about how and why this fantastic uh, show got up and running. Thanks, guys. Well, history of your money or wealth. Wow. Someone's actually interested in this. Group. Yeah, I guess it, we, this dates, the origin dates back to 2009. 2009. Is what I recall. Wasn't it uh, the retirement readiness hour? Actually, oh, I- wow. I take that back. Uh, it was 2006. I'm off. 2006 was the year that this, the genesis of yeah. this podcast started. What was that show? What was the first show we did? It was with Linda Martin yeah. asking questions. But what was the name of it? What was it? Oh. Like the retirement hour, the retirement readiness hmm. hour, Let's get ready, retire. So, I've forgotten. It was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that was on radio in San Diego, right? Yes. We were in San Correct. Diego. Correct. I was working at a wealth management firm. Very successful certified financial planner, I might add. <laughs> if you say so yourself. Huh? If I say so myself. Okay. And then Alan sells his CPA practice to that wealth management firm. Correct. And so Alan was going to retire. This is back 2006. Six, yeah. He's like, I'm done. All my real estate holdings, those are looking pretty I, good. I'm a rich son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was getting his CPA practice kind of ingrained into our wealth management firm. And they had a radio show at the time. That's right. And Linda Martin was a local TV celebrity in San Diego that did the show. And I forget, she was doing the show with Matt Horsley. That's correct. And uh, she would just ask questions and Matt would answer them. Yeah. It was awful. It was a really bad program. (laughs) And we should mention that Matt is actually one of the advisors at Pure Now. Yes. Yeah. And he's a great advisor. Yeah. yeah. But it was a really bad show. Yeah. (laughs) And so... Something happened to him one weekend, and they asked me to fill in. They said, hey, Joe, will you fill in? Linda will ask you some questions, and then you can just you know, riff off whatever you want and answer the questions. And I said, okay, sure, no problem. So that's what I did, and, you know, come on. I just <laughs> killed it. If you say so yourself. No, I mean, there was like six, yeah, probably well, Matt, six, Matt, six and a half listeners. Matt went on vacation. Yeah, Matt went and, on vacation. And when, when he got back, the firm said, Matt, we're good with Joe on the radio. Yeah, the radio gig's done. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for your help. <laughs> and so, I don't know. So I was doing it with Linda Martin for a while. And then Linda Martin went on vacation. That's right. And they were like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I'll host the show, but I'm going to bring Big Al in. And Alan and I became buddies when he was transitioning his CPA firm because he was like, well, let me, you know, maybe I want to get into wealth management. I'm rich, so I got to learn how to manage my money. (laughs) Yeah, main motivation. So then Alan and I would start seeing clients together and start doing financial planning. He would teach me a lot about taxes. I would teach him very little about financial planning, but we became a pretty good team. And then I said, all right, well, Big Al's going to be the co-host. And so next thing you know, that was it. We told Linda Martin she doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah. It became the Joan Big Al show. So, so was uh, that all in 2006? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was all in 2006. 2006. 
maybe Matt's was in late 2005, if I recall. So then I left that firm, and then we started Pure Financial Advisors in 2007. And then, by the way, I continued that show with Matt Horsley. Yeah, and then it lasted like <laughs> we got pulled. <laughs> we got pulled out the air the first show I left. <laughs> hey, let's bring Matt Orsley back in. Yeah, yeah. Big Al and Matt Orsley in a blue up. And then you started doing a show at, at Pure, at Pure Financial, Financial yes. with the founder. Yeah. It was then that's when the genesis of Your Money, Your Wealth that's um, right. came about. That was 2007. And yeah, so I did the show with Mike for a year. And then I begged Al to, <laughs> to come work with me again here at Pure. And so Al came on board in what, the beginning of 2008. Yep. So we've been doing the show sometimes three, we were on two different stations in San Diego. That's right. And we, we had, did two different shows, two different shows. And then we were in LA and we do a different show for LA. So we were doing it like three days a yeah, week, two shows on Saturday, one on Sunday, yeah. all different. And we were doing live radio and everything else. So the genesis of when it turned into a podcast, I think the radio station was like, here, this new thing is called a podcast. Do you guys want to do it? And we're like, sure. And so basically it was the radio show that they just turned into the podcast. They took both hours of the show and just uploaded them as individual yeah, that's episodes all it was. of the podcast, yeah. right? It was yeah. garbage. With, with commercials and everything. Yeah, with yeah. commercials and everything. And then all I would do during those times, we would have like seven seconds of content. And then I would just do CTAs. I call the actions. Call the number right now. And I would just say the number over and over again. And I would like almost get dizzy and gag. And I was like, I can never do, I can't do this. Next weekend, I say the number again. every five minutes. Three minutes of content. So, yeah. So, I mean, so originally we were trying to get clients. Clients for the firm that we started. But, but we realized somewhere in the middle of all this that, you know what, this actually is an educational show. Let's educate. And you know what? Some people are going to want to become clients, but let's focus more on education. Because I think I was so burnt out of like trying to sell this, you know, notion, all right, go to fee-only fiduciary advice and all this other stuff. And so Andy's been with us now for how many years now? I started as a contractor in 2017, and I came on full-time in 2018. So, so 2018. Yeah, so five years. So five years. So probably maybe a little bit before Andy came on, I was like, I cannot do another CTA ever, and especially <laughs> in a podcast format. Right. We have to change this whole thing. So we looked high and low for a producer to help us build the podcast, and- we were lucky enough to find Andy last. We were, and we had a lot of potential people, but Andy, you were definitely top of the list. She was oh, the thank cheapest. You. She was the cheapest. And, well, that's it. We could afford her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That explains so much. Oh, I'm kidding. It's a joke. But no, and then so we we started taking it seriously to say, yeah. hey, let's have a lot of fun with this. Let's just give our opinion. Let's just seem like we're sitting around having a couple cocktails on a Friday afternoon. And people would come to our porch and ask us financial questions right. and we would just riff on, hey, this might be a good idea. Or this is some things that you got to be thinking about in regards to your overall finance. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So the focus for the last several years has been education. But still, we do get clients and we appreciate people that come to our firm because of that. But yeah, we want to educate people. We want to give You're good, taking on clients, good guy. information. We as a firm. <laughs> I, I'm not. And neither are you. <laughs> what do you want to sit down with? We as a firm. Oh, got it. That's got what it. I mean. You got, you're, still, you're still selling it. Still selling the dream. <laughs> still selling the dream. So, yeah. So I think that's. That brings yeah. us up to the present day. Yeah. So people are. It, like, so, so how do we, we've done thousands of shows and know. it seems like we've done seven. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we've done at least one show a week since 2006, right? We're up to officially numbered podcasts. We're up to 461. 461. So, and I've been here. I've been here for 361 of them. So, so we, we've got 100 before you. Yeah. Is that the old format with commercials and everything? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then, you know, obviously that's before the radio station actually started putting them on his podcast. So then you've got thousands of episodes that were happening before that don't exist online. Pure we, garbage. We lost them. <laughs> Pure garbage. It would, we would have the list. Remember the list? Alan would pull up a Forbes article. Oh, yeah. Here's the top five things you should top, do to top, budget your finances. Top, pla- top 15 places to retire. Oh my God. And then someone would call in and say, it, your Al is just reading a list from Forbes. Forbes, it's like, uh, what? I've been caught on that one. I hate to tell you that has happened within the last five years. It was like yeah. this show is so awful. All Al's doing is reading articles. <laughs> I can read articles online myself without <laughs> listening to Big Al read it. Now we would give books away for people to ask us questions back in the day. That's right. We have begged. Yeah. Now and now we've got 50 pages worth of questions. No, sorry. We just answered one person's question that rolling in October. Yep. Yeah, that's it. We're a little behind now. Yeah. But keep them coming because yeah. we'll get there. So that that's it. So, yeah, Big Al's been a CPA in, in the tax field for 40 years now? Yeah, 40 plus. 40 plus. Yeah. I, and I, how long have you been in uh, the financial arena, Joe? Yeah, I started my career in 1998. And I've yeah. been doing media for 30 years coming up here. 30 years. So you're 25. Yeah. 25 in. 25. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. So make sure now that you're approaching 50. I remember. Yep. Yep. Just... Yeah. You need health insurance. I have health insurance. <laughs> I'm not approaching 50. Come on. <laughs> 49, approaching 49 and a half. Yeah. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get the hell out of here. All right. Well, that's the origin story. And thank you all for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's been a phenomenal year for us at the podcast. We appreciate the questions and we're super happy to come on every week and try to have fun with it, but also give you really good information and hopefully that you can use and apply it and make your financial lives a little bit better and maybe have the, uh, you know, smile or chuckle a couple of times along the way. Yeah. So, and happy holidays. Yeah. Appreciate it. We got another strong year ahead of us. A lot of cool things on the docket. If you do appreciate the show, what do they have to do, Andy? Subscribe. Follow subscribe. us in your favorite podcast app. Tell all your friends to listen to this. Yeah. yeah that'll and, help us. And subscribe and Al, on YouTube as well. Yeah. Al wants uh, to sit down and have a couple appointments with you. <laughs> Bring a lot. All right. Uh, that's it for us. We'll see you next time. Show's got your money well. Cousins, recliners, the Flintstones, Joe's therapy, and of course, drinking in the derails. So stick around to the end of this final episode of 2023. Thank you, friends. We are grateful to you for listening to YMYW. Whether you're brand new or have been listening since 2006, this show wouldn't be a show without you. Tell a friend to pull up a bar stool and join the fun. And please leave your honest reviews and ratings for your money, your wealth in Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Audible, Castbox, Good Pods, Pandora, Player FM, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podknife, and Spotify. 
Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule your free financial assessment in person at one of our many offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Cousin lives in Rochester, Minnesota. Really? Yeah, he does. Wow. It's a couple hours south of where I grow. I've got no cousins in Minnesota that I know of. Really? Yeah. How many cousins do you have? I have seven. <laughs> Andy, how many cousins do you have? Two. Two cousins. Two. Uh, yep. How about you? I'm 30. Last track. 30. 30. <laughs> At least. I'm, wow. Yeah, my mom was one of eight children. Oh, well, that would do it. Well, you both were at my wedding. All yeah, that was like, it was all family. That was all my cousins <laughs> from <laughs> Rochester, Minnesota. That, that explains a lot. Yeah. Now I get it. You like high IBUs? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> International Bitter Unit. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I'm anti-IBU. I would say... Is Coors Light? Where, where uh, does that rank? Is that pretty high or like, pretty low? It's like low. It's like a zero. Oh, negative. <laughs> yeah, the, I, the bitter... IBU of Coors Light is 10. Ooh, yeah. Right. Then it's there's not, another one that's a 62 that's called Space Dust. Yeah, I'd be, I be. I don't like bitter beer unless it's a hazy IPA with citrus flavor that that cancels it out. I do like that taste. Yeah, I like salt. I'm a I, margarita. Well, sure, but it's not healthy. You got to, you ever? It, come on, now. <laughs> it's a vegan. No, salt's a vegan. It's just not good for your blood pressure. Blood pressure, solid. <laughs> well, that mateen. What's that? The red stuff. Oh, yeah. I had some of that at our holiday party. Yeah, it's hot. It was hot. I didn't care for it. I actually kind of liked it. All right. The recliner. Now, and, well, the house I grew up in, there was two recliners. Yeah. It was like, you know, the Friends episode with Chandler yeah. and Joey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That right. was my mom and dad. My, my dad had a big-ass leather one, and my mom had kind of a cute like, yeah. cotton or you know, a fabric yeah. one. Yeah. So do you, do you have a recliner in your home? No. Now? You don't? <laughs> no. Well... Kind of. Kind of? I guess I guess so. It's you got an ottoman? Maybe that counts. No, it's it's a quasi one. It's not like a What's big it? ass where it's you got quasi. the handle on the right side and it yeah. like fully yeah. kind of kicks back and then has like beer koozies in it. Doesn't do that. No, it right, doesn't okay. do that. No. Doesn't, doesn't have a refrigerator test to it. No, no. How good is it then? Yeah, a little pouch, but throw a six, six pack of beer in there. Yeah, got it. Not saying I wouldn't want one. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't think I can. I'm not sure you can get away with it. No, I don't think so. I, so anyway, in our mid-20s, how many of our employees here at the old mothership? You know about the Flintstones? Yeah. I would say not too many. I don't know. Is it on in repeats or syndication or anything like that? Have they started know. making baby Flintstones or anything? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I've got kids in their 30s. And so, of course, we had a, like a decade with non-stop cartoons and I never saw the Flintstones. I was a big Flintstone fan. Yeah, me too. You like Fred or Barney? I, I was, yeah, Fred guy. For Fred, sure. Fred guy. Yeah, Barney kind of annoyed me. Yeah. 
I saw a whole bunch of vintage commercials on YouTube recently, and they actually, the Flintstones did commercials for like cigarettes and stuff. Really? That was an adult uh, cartoon. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Why were you looking at Fred Flintstone selling cigarettes? No, I was looking at vintage commercials because they're very cool. Oh. It's interesting to see how they were doing advertising back then. And the, yeah, and then there's Fred. Fred, smoking. yeah, just throwing down some darts. I don't. He and Barney are out there smoking, and the girls are like doing all the work and stuff like that, and they're just sitting there watching. Yeah, definitely of the time. Wow. Okay. This was my therapy for years. <laughs> it was. It's not is it, anymore. Is it still or no? Not well. You know, not really. I, I enjoy it more, I guess, today than we did before. Yeah. Because before, I think we would probably have preparation. Remember when we were told way back when to not have humor? With Do not have fun. Yeah. What? Do not have fun at all. Do not have fun. Oh wow. Because, yeah. Because, because we're in finance. Because there was a there was an article that was written 15 years ago. If you do a podcast, do not mix humor <laughs> and finance. It does not work. It doesn't work. No. Yeah. Well, I. I'm yeah. Here well, to tell I agree you with it. Does. 